You are now listening to the Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Frigera, your Soul Powered Executive Coach. This podcast is designed to make soul power a normal topic of conversation. What makes us divine and how can it empower your life and business? For season three, we are diving deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and business owners who powered through the 2020 lockdown and emerged even stronger. So get ready to be inspired, get ready to be empowered, get ready to take action as we explore how to elevate your soul power and create success no matter what. Hello everyone and welcome to a special Christmas edition of Soul Power to the People. Today, I would like to share a couple of audio clips to explore what we are up against, the contrived forces designed to destroy, dehumanize, and destabilize the human spirit. My name is Tess Vergara, and in today's episode, we are looking at the external forces that disconnect us from our souls and dumb down human consciousness. Today on Christmas Day, nothing else makes more sense than to share with you another perspective that will return the soul power to the people, to explore with you the importance of rising into soul power now. So we have uh, several segments for the show today. First segment is... Featuring Professor Yuval Noah Harari, speaking at World Economic Forum, where he declares, humans are now hackable animals, dismissing the idea of free will. Immediately following this, we will listen to Laura Abali's presentation at the Better Way Conference where she addressed the diverse facets of transhumanism, and both these clips exposed the forces of destabilization and dehumanization happening right from under our noses. Another segment, having listened to the clips, we're going to recognize the importance of breaking free. I hope you will have gathered for yourself the psychological and emotional abuses that have kept us detached from our soul. And this is deliberate dumbing down of human consciousness, which I've spoken about for several years now since 2020, is something I consider a crime against humanity. And so it's time to reclaim our power and make choices that align with our true essence. And to help with that, I'd like to read to you Agape's spiritual principles and practices. These principles form the basis of the core teachings at uh, at the Agape movement, which I'm proud to be a part of. I'm sharing it because it offers a pathway to self-realization and a conscious choice to be at one 
with God, with spirit, with our soul power. And finally, I would like to point you to a blog post I wrote, and uh, I'll summarize for you the key points for my Christmas reflection. So let's uh, get started. Again, the next two audio clips are from Professor Yuval Noah Harari and Laura Abali's presentation at the Better Way Conference. Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity, this will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life, after being confined to, for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may ena enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years of organic life, shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. So does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, my life, does it belong to me or to some corporation or to the government or perhaps to the human collective? Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. 
over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance. So, 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 so let's do it. Vaccine won't help us go the to the test, of course. The vaccine will help <laughs> us, of course. It will make things you know, more manageable. Surveillance, people could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This. I believe is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. The difference of this fourth industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example. It's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. And offer certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about. You know, yeah. when, you began to, when you began to do that kind of gene editing, some people worry that you are changing what it means to be human. That's the problem. And, yeah. uh, I, it, uh, of course, the new uh, Industrial Revolution offers us many opportunities, but it raises many fold questions on the ethical, but even legal uh, implications. And we have to be prepared for it. And that's what we want to do in Davos next year. Talk about technology and how the ways it can be deployed, uh, you know, that contribute to growth rather than exacerbate unemployment. How will that implement itself? It's a big question mark because uh, there is a fear that uh, technology, robots, uh, just to take yeah. one yeah. You gain element. productivity from machines. Exactly. And it replaces maybe um, the workforce or jobs faster than we can replace them with the new jobs. So, uh, not everybody can be a robot polisher and so yes. on. So yes. there will be new jobs. Uh, to be here today to talk about what I believe is the most important topic of our time. Um, the title of my talk, Transhumanism, The Endgame, probably gives away um, <laughs> my take on the matter. I'm not going to get into the technical aspects of transhumanism, though I do believe that one of the problems with faith with regards to public understanding of the matter is that it encompasses such a wide range of things. Um, and we've seen some of them, but from genetic engineering, implant technology, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, all the way to cybernetic prosthetics. Um, although all of these things fall under the transhumanist label, I think there's a very important distinction to be made between technology that seeks to assist people with a disability in order to regain a normal quality of life and technology that seeks to transform us entirely. 
Um, the focus of my talk today will be on the ultimate transhumanist goal, what has been termed by Ray Kurzweil, one of the leaders of the movement, as the singularity. In his book titled The Singularity is Near, When Humans Transcend Biology, he writes, there will be no distinction post-singularity between human and machine or between physical and virtual reality. It's very important to understand that transhumanism is simply the transitional stage between humanism and post-humanism. Make no mistake, the final goal is to eradicate humanity as we know it. Once you understand the final destination, it becomes much easier to look back and identify the psychological conditioning, the biological tampering, the cultural grooming and the educational prepping that we have been subjected to for decades in preparation to making us accept a post-human future. It takes a lot of physical and psychological abuse to get an intelligent species like ours to agree to its own extinction. Most, if not all, that has transcended in the last 60 years was designed to get us closer to accepting such a dystopian reality. Whether you care to accept it or not, we live in a hyper-controlled matrix where our perception of reality is meticulously planned, managed, and executed in order to control and steer us in whichever direction they wish. And the direction is a post-human world. For this, they first needed to destabilize, dehumanize, and demoralize humanity through every means possible. The destruction of the nuclear family, children being indoctrinated by the state, abortion, the eradication of God and spirituality from education, life in mega cities and away from nature, toxic food, air and water, social media replacing real human connection and interaction, engineered financial crisis and taxation, Endless wars and massive migration, stress, anxiety, depression, drugs and alcohol, constant fear-mongering, moral relativism as the new religion. And I could go on and on about how humanity has been influenced and forced to move away from all the things that give us strength, security, purpose and meaning. A weak, immoral, disconnected ignorant and unhealthy population is an easy target for the next stage, the creation of an entire generation of androgynous beings. Masculinity is under attack psychologically, culturally, and biologically. Women are being replaced in sports, entertainment, and politics by men pretending to be women, and children are being indoctrinated at school to think that gender is a choice. The transgender movement is not a grassroots movement. It comes from the top. It has nothing to do with people's freedom of expression, sexuality, or civil rights. It's an evil psyop to, with a clear agenda to get us closer to transhumanism by making us question the most fundamental notion of human identity, our gender. If you don't know who you are, 
If you already identify as a hybrid between a man and a woman, you will be easily convinced to become a hybrid between human and machine. Gender ideology is the two plus two equals five from George Orwell's 1984 dystopian novel. It's the final test to see whether we will follow the most absurd party line towards our own extinction. But two plus two equals four. And no matter how you choose to dress, call yourself, or change your physique, will not change that. The sad reality, though, is that in the gaslighting process to get us closer to a post-human future, they have mentally and physically harmed an increasing number of children and young people, and it's only getting worse. This must be stopped. Understanding the philosophy and the ideology behind the transhumanist movement is crucial if we're going to make the right choices as a species. Transhumanism stands on the premise that there is no God, that there is no spiritual realm, and that we possess no soul. Does anybody feel like a soulless being in this room? <laughs> it is the most um, materialistic and Darwinian understanding of who we are. And in my opinion, it is the most reductionist and frankly insulting notion of humanity. For decades, we have been prepped and groomed to accept the notion that without technological enhancements, we will not survive the future but instead become obsolete. Yuval Noah Harari is doing a marvelous job at convincing everyone that we will become what he calls the useless class in the face of a world driven by AI, that we are simple, hackable animals restricted by our own biology. But the truth, however, is very, very different. They don't want to alter us because we are flawed, weak, and limited. They want to alter us because we are none of those things. And it's increasingly difficult to control the billions of resourceful, resilient, and creative humans that we are. There is a reason why it's called artificial intelligence. And that's because it is artificial. It's not real intelligence. Real intelligence necessitates of consciousness, something that machines will never possess. And in any case, who said we wanted to merge with machines? Why should we allow some megalomaniac nerds and their big tech billionaire friends dictate our future? I think most people just want to be able to live a peaceful life in a healthy environment where they can pursue their dreams. Technology must be at our service, not to replace us or destroy us. Give us free energy, and the world will transform instantly. Give us nutritious food, clean air and water, and disease will be eradicated. Allow us to live in a humane system instead of a free-range tax farm, and you will see how depression, anxiety, and stress dissipates. Let's... Let's, let's use technology to make our lives more humane, not to make humans a thing of the past. The things we value most are those things that cannot be replicated by, by machines. Empathy, 
compassion, courage, intuition, imagination, passion, love, all of the things that make us unique. We are the most sophisticated beings on this planet and possibly the universe for all we know. Our body is the universe in itself, one that we still have not yet fully discovered. And our brains are the most complex cognitive piece of biological machinery in the world. Just to give you a sense of our brain power, in 2013, joint teams of researchers from Japan and Germany got together to simulate a single second of human brain activity. They created an artificial neural network of 1.73 billion nerve cells connected by 10.4 trillion synapses. Sounds very impressive. But actually, it's only a fraction of every human being's uh, nerve cells. Scientists believe we all carry between 80 and 100 billion nerve cells, or about as many stars, in the Milky Way. The researchers were actually not able to simulate the human's brain activity in real time. And it took 40 minutes with a combined muscle of 82,944 processes to get just one second of biological brain processing time. But they want to think, they want to make you think you're useless. They don't want to make you better. They don't want to make you a superhuman. The end game is to make you a totally controllable piece of machinery. Another thing in the Internet of Things. As Klaus Schwab has said on numerous occasions, the fourth industrial revolution will not change the world. It will change you. They will entice you with promises of immortality, but it's digital immortality. They will try to convince you of a life without disease and suffering but by disconnecting you from the natural web of life and connecting you to the grid. And they will speak of becoming gods, homo deus, in the words of Mr. Harari. Well, we once took a bite of that apple, and we fell. And we've been falling ever since. But I think we now have a chance to redeem ourselves. We now have a chance to change our ways, to understand our foolishness, to see where we went wrong, a chance to walk in the right direction with appreciation, with humility, with courage, with truth, with faith, and with love. Let's not take this chance to transform ourselves to something different, but to become the best version of ourselves. We are not here to become God. We are here for God to experience life through us. Thank you. So we just heard from both Harari and Abali. And uh, I'd like to know how you reacted to Harari's assertion that humans are now hackable animals and that free will and individual autonomy is now a thing of the past. So let's uh, talk about returning the soul power to the people. Let's uh, recognize and acknowledge and understand external forces that aim to disconnect us individuals from our souls and limit our perceived free will. Once we recognize that, 
once we recognize that there's a psychological conditioning keeping us detached from our soul so that they can manipulate and control us, so that they can dumb down human consciousness, that awareness is the first step toward breaking free from these constraints. So really become aware of cultural grooming that contributes to the the humanization process. Understand that how societal norms and expectations, their expectation for us to obey and comply, impact our personal identity and is crucial for reclaiming our individual power. So reclaiming personal power, let's empower each other to reclaim our personal power and make choices aligned with our soul power. We are not helpless. We are not powerless. And the goal of this podcast is to encourage self-reflection and exploration of your own personal values and beliefs to really raise the bar, reclaim your worth, and really step into soul power. At this point, I'd like to share with you the six principles, universal principles of truth that Agape International Spiritual Center is teaching about. It's these principles, when embodied and integrated into our daily spiritual practice, they are a pathway to self-realization, conscious state of oneness with spirit. And so for me, when we're living by this universal principles of truth, however they try to dominate the human spirit, however they try to make us small and little and worthless, they're not going to win because we know who we are on a core level. We know exactly the essence of our soul. So here are the six principles Universal principles of truth. One, God is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and omniactive. All existence is the manifest form and activity of spirit. This presence is equally present in all space, time, places, and in all persons as well as beyond time, space, and manifest creation. Ours is a holographic universe in which every part, that which is seen and that which is unseen, is an emanation of the unmanifest whole. Second one, God is absolute. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Constant, changeless, eternal. Because time, space, and form are variable and God is not. God is absolute. Because God is one. God's nature is unchangeable. Third, God is good. Therefore, life is good. Absolute goodness is the substance, the source and supply of all existence. This aspect of the Godhead is always in integrity with itself, which means that it cannot contradict its own laws nature, and relationship to its creation. The nature of God is life-enhancing, positive, 
upward spiraling, good in every way. Number four, every person is an individualized expression of the one spirit. I'll say that again. Every person, you and me, is an individualized expression of the one spirit. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God and is capable of awakening to this realization and giving expression to the qualities of unconditional love, compassion, wisdom, bliss, peace, and creativity. Number five, the divine mind of God, spirit, the love intelligence of the universe, is the creative power of the universe. Thought creates every person as an individualized expression of the divine, thinks and creates through the power of free choice. Through the exercise of free will, each person is able to choose and assume responsibility for their own soul's evolution. Through this freedom of choice, all things are made new. The past is transcended and infinite possibilities are at hand. And finally, number six, the universe being infinite is in a constant state of evolutionary expansion. We live in a non-static, ever-evolving universe, which is the source of our individual evolutionary impulse and our capacity to expand it to our fullest potential, which is infinite. Each individual's expansion contributes to the evolutionary progress of the whole. So key takeaways. Recognize the omnipresence of God existing in all aspects of life. Embrace the constancy and uh, unchangeable nature of God as a source of stability, as a source of all creation. Align with the inherent goodness of life, meaning you are inherently good too, that you are an expression of God's nature. Affirm your individualized expression of the divine awakening to higher qualities. This is soul power right here. Harness the creative power of the divine mind through conscious thought and free choice, no matter what Harari asserts that the idea of personal choice is a thing of the past. No, that's what they want you to think that you have in your power, your soul's power, to be able to create from conscious thought and free choice and contribute to the evolutionary expansion of the universe through personal growth and realization. So this is why it's so important for us to step into soul power, to step into what we came here in the first place. I'd like to share with you an excerpt from my blog post that I wrote yesterday, because this information right here is really important for me to be able to say out loud and be able to share with you. For many Christmases now, my life story has transformed from, you know, doing, 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 uh, trying to achieve so many things into a quest to align with my soul so I can have peace of mind at last. 
and then later into this embodiment of soul power. And this journey transcends the noise out there, the religious boundaries, the teaching that God is separate from us. And there's got to be a shift in perspective from I am here to please God to I am one with God. So there, there is a departure from the conventional idea of a separated God or living to please a higher power, to prove your worthiness. A rise to soul power centers on a radical recognition that we are the hands and face of God. Here, there's no separation. There's only a seamless integration of the divine within our very being. So live as an expression of the divine. Living in an alignment with this truth is a journey of harmonious coexistence and co-creation. As above, so below. As within, so without. Living in oneness with God is not a distant ideal, but a practical reality. It is an empowered existence where the recognition of our divine essence becomes the guiding principle for navigating the complexities of life. The harmonious resonance with the divine infuses each moment with purpose and significance, turning the mundane into sacred. And so for me, Christmas is a liberating force. It's a catalyst for breaking the chains that bind us. All this ploy out there to diminish our worth, to destabilize us, to keep us stressed out, to keep us in victim consciousness. So soul power, stepping into soul power is not an abstract concept. It is the key to unlocking our full potential, fostering our well-being so we can create a life of purpose and fulfillment and not be puppet on a string, which is what they want. Soul power is the inner flame that illuminates our path, the silent force that propels us forward in our journey through life. I really believe it is the inherent strength and wisdom residing within each of us, a guiding force that, when embraced, empowers us to break free from limitations, cultivate genuine connections, and infuse every moment with meaning. So head on over to CassifergaRa.com and read the rest of the blog. For right now, I hope this episode has given you something to chew on, something to really see that there are powers out there meant to diminish our soul's worth, our soul's power. And now it is up to you how to respond to that awareness. And hopefully, it is my hope and prayer that we all rise to soul power and create what it is that we are meant to do to make the world a better place, to create more freedom for all, and to create the peace that we are all looking for. God bless you and Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, Take back your soul, take back your power. 
join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People. 